Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. In this episode, we're talking about how parents help finance their kids' education. Specifically, we're going to discuss Parent PLUS loans and how they impact millions of Americans, especially those hoping to retire. You know, Americans above the age 60 are drowning in student loan debt, both their own and that of their kids. The number of people over 60 who have student loan debt has sextupled since 2004. It's now standing at $125 billion. Part of that debt is made up of Parent PLUS loans. These are loans taken out by parents to help their kids, their students. 3.7 million people of varying ages owe $108 billion in Parent PLUS debt. If you are one of those parents... There's stuff you need to know because some options you now have to deal with PLUS loans will soon be going away. It's so serious, it's being called the PLUS loan cliff. Doesn't that sound ominous? It does to me. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquardt. Hello, Miranda. Yeah, so I am super excited to be here. Uh, just as a disclaimer, I do write on a freelance basis for Student Loan Planner, and I have written about this topic for Student Loan Planner, so I think it's important to understand that. But I am excited to be here and talk about this and have Travis on to talk about this, because this is something that is not getting enough coverage in the press and is a complicated process that people need to know about Uh People over 50 are the lowest, the, the fastest growing demographic of people with student loans. And understanding this Parent PLUS situation is especially important for folks who are trying to get their finances in order ahead of retirement. I've got to be honest, Miranda, this isn't even on the top 100 list of things I want to talk about. But but you've made it so exciting for me that now I'm dying to find out. Let's Listening do it. In- <laughs> Listening and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Good morning, everybody. And today's guest is Travis Hornsby, the founder and CEO of Student Loan Planner. He's going to help us navigate this confusing topic and tell us how to handle this kind of debt. Hey, Travis. Hey, great to be here, guys. Quick question. You are not related to Bruce Hornsby, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. You should. You could have said yes. No one would ever have known. Unless I know. Bruce A lot Hornsby of famous Hornsby's out there, especially if you like Cardinals baseball, too. Oh, Okay. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm a Johnson, so there's no shortage of me all over the place. Before we start this podcast, folks, remember, this is not financial advice. Make sure to do your own research and consult your own experts before acting on anything that you may hear on this podcast. Okay, with that being said, let's dive in. Travis, tell me, what is this Parent Plus Cliff we're hearing about? So Parent Plus loans are unlimited loans. You can take out as much as you want up to the cost of attendance for as many children as you have that go to college. So that puts people in a lot of trouble sometimes because what happens is you might have, you know, your kid wants to go to a dream school and then the next kid kind of wants the same experience. And so before you know it, parents end up in, you know, five figures or very commonly six figures of Parent Plus loans. But there's one big problem, Stacy. The problem is the only way to pay these loans based on your income is to sign them up for a income-based repayment plan called ICR that takes 20% of your income with almost no deduction. The cliff is after July 2025, that will be the only option. But before July 2025, which includes right now, you can get around that limitation by consolidating your loans twice. And so in doing this, you can get access to different types of income-based plans that allow you to earn a whole lot of money before having to pay a dime. And then everything over and above that is only 10% of the amount above your 
protected income level, which could mean for many Parent PLUS borrowers the difference between paying a couple hundred a month and paying a thousand a month. Now, when you're paying a couple hundred a month, is your loan going backwards? Are you not meeting the interest payments? So one of the really cool changes in President Biden's new income-based repayment reforms that he did to restart student loans after three years of having them paused is he created a new plan called saving, uh, called the SAVE plan. Um, and, and so this what the SAVE plan does, it's S-A-V-E, um, saving on a valuable education is what it stands for. Government love ac- loves acronyms, right? So the SAVE plan prevents negative amortization, whereby if your payment is just 200 a month, then the amount of interest above whatever your required payment is, is completely covered by the government and it never gets added to your balance. So anyone that's on this save plan is going to watch their balance never increase in contrast to something like ICR, where your balance would increase. Can, can I stop here and ask you something? Because here's the thing. I don't have kids. I don't have debt. I don't understand this whole topic very well. Although, And, and like you said, there are a lot of acronyms in this. It's very complicated. So when we're talking about going to college, you, you could get a student loan, right? A federally guaranteed student loan. And that's is that the government directly lending you money? Sort of. So so back in the day, like the government would guarantee student loans, but they weren't the direct issuer. They would partner with banks and corporate lenders, and they would issue the student loans, but the government would guarantee them. But in 2010, President Obama took took that system and changed it by essentially making every new loan what's called a direct student loan. So a direct student loan is something that's issued directly from the government. So. Those so anybody that's borrowed any loan at all after 2010, you know, from any kind of federal program has been borrowing directly from the government. And before that, it was a little bit more complicated system. So why wouldn't okay now the the plus loan, the thing we're just talking about today, the parent plus loan, that's a that's a different type of a loan, other than the than the direct student loan, correct? Well. Yeah, go ahead, Miranda. I was going to say, it's part of the direct. So all of these loans that are made by the government are part of the direct loan program. And the PLUS loan is part of the direct loan program, but it's something that you get above and beyond your standard student loan, right? So if you were an undergraduate student, you would have your undergraduate student loans, your direct undergraduate student loans. If you're a graduate student, you would have your direct graduate student loans, but there are caps to those. There are limits to those. So once you reach that cap, um, then you need to get additional student loans if you don't have other financing. And so rather than going to a private lender, um, which has much more stringent credit requirements, you can get this plus loan. The plus means it's over and above what you would normally get Uh, from a direct loan. So it is part of the direct loan program, but as Travis pointed out, it's an additional one. It has different fees. It has a different interest rate. And um, and it's it's something that goes beyond your standard direct loan, but it is part of the umbrella of direct loan programs from the government okay. to help pay for school. So, so the reason you're getting a plus loan in the first place is because your direct student loan wasn't enough. Exactly. Okay, cool. Now, and which which uh, explains maybe why it's called plus additional loan. Okay, so now talk to me again about the cliff. Okay, first of all, it, it sounds like. Both these kinds of loans, direct and plus, might be able to be paid off under certain special circumstances with with special criteria. Like, um, well, and that's what the cliff is about, right? In other words, you, there's some. Is there some easier way to pay these things off? 
Not really, not really. I mean, the the the, the, the I mean, you know, the, the average parent plus debt I think is something like thirty seven thousand dollars. So if you've got a thirty seven thousand dollar parent plus loan and you have a middle class income, certainly the easiest thing to do is just to get rid of it, not having it hanging around to retirement. And maybe ask your kid to chip in a little bit to pay it off. I, and you but know what? Pro- I'm sorry, I misspoke. What I said was easier way to pay it off. What I meant was that as a percentage of your income, you may have to make lo- you may be able to make lower payments. Is what I should have said. Well, right. So, so the, the the real problem with Parent Plus is the long tail, right? So, if you think about the distribution of Parent Plus loans, yeah, sure, the average might be thirty seven thousand, but part of that's because there's a whole bunch of people that are borrowing, you know, for one semester because they just didn't have a big enough five twenty nine, and so they take out a ten thousand dollar Parent Plus loan, and there's a whole bunch of people that take out a hundred, two hundred thousand for Parent Plus loans. So, if you're taking out, you know, a six figure balance, the 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 issue with this Parent Plus cliff here. Is after 2025, the government's going to make it almost punitive for Parent Plus borrowers that have big balances to pay off their debt by making the percent of income that they have to pay so high that even somebody living on a fairly modest income of you know a little bit of an RMD and Social Security would still have a pretty monster payment. And the opportunity is before this cliff, you could basically get your loans through a loophole on a plan that allows you to pay way less on your income. So it, and, and again, that also includes that interest subsidy. You know, portion I was talking about, I, and 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 again, I, I think you already answered this. I'm going to ask it again because I'm really stupid. Although I'm very good looking, um, <laughs> what, if you have one of these things that allows you to pay only a percentage of your income, it, the loan's not get you're you're still paying off the loan. You're just doing it over a longer period of time. Well, so think about it like this. So, would you agree, Stacy, that you will pay taxes until the day you die? Yes, until probably after that. Really, <laughs> probably after that. Right. So effectively, you have two ways to handle student loans. One way is as a debt, where you have to make a payment. The other way is as a tax. So the tax is a percent of your income, right? And so one of the big things that President Biden's been working on is trying to relieve the administrative burden of being in one of these programs. So what borrowers can now do is to provide automatic access to their tax returns and automatically recertify their income every year with auto pay. So that this would essentially be connected to your tax return, and the money would just sort of come out of your bank account automatically without you having to do very much of anything. That's so a really that good would way be it. so that's a, that would be treating it really like an income tax. And what happens is after twenty five years worth of payments, the loan is forgiven. Now you know there's a lot of question marks about well, what does that mean forgiven? Well, you know if you have a Parent Plus borrower who's got you know two hundred thousand of Parent Plus loans who's sixty years old. And they do a double consolidation, and they get onto one of these, you know, lower income based plans. It's twenty five years worth of payments until the loan's forgiven. If that loan is forgiven, and they have a negative net worth, then the loan's forgiven tax free, no question. If they have it forgiven and they have a, a positive net worth, then the the question mark is whether or not current tax law, which treats that forgiveness as tax free income, will be extended long term. We expect that it will be. But the reality is you should take somebody that's got 200,000 parent plus loans and thinks, you know what, I've got to work for another 10 years. And you turn them into somebody that can just live off of their retirement savings until they're 70 and claim the max social security benefit and retire in two or three years. Okay. And, that, and that's because I don't have to pay. Uh, there's a specific percentage of my income that I have to pay. And that, and that it's percentage a lower is going to get higher uh, when this cliff occurs. It'll get higher for anybody who hasn't completed this loophole before that date. Okay, let's talk about the loophole now. Okay, so I've I've got some stu- I've got I've got a, a plus loan, um, and I I, I want to keep the percentage as low as possible of my income uh, when I'm repaying this loan. So what is it that I should be doing? 
So the statute says that you can only sign up for this. Let's just call it the bad plan, ICR. I'm going to call it the bad plan because the bad plan because it's 20% of your income and your deduction is about $15,000, right? So just some 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 simple math. Let's say you make $35,000, you get a deduction of 15,000, you got to pay 20% on 20,000. So that's like about $4,000 a year. So you know, somebody making 35,000 a year expected them to pay 4,000 a year, which is about 350 a month. That's pretty punitive, right? That's like a car payment. Mm-hmm. You know. And so if that same person got through this loophole before the parent plus cliff, they would get a deduction of about thirty three thousand, and they'd only have to pay about two hundred dollars a year instead of four thousand dollars a year, and all of their interest above that two hundred dollar a year payment, which is about you know fifteen to seventeen dollars a month, that would be covered. So let me explain again why the loophole exists. So remember, I said the bad plan. Uh-huh. So the bad plan is only available for. Parent plus loans that have been consolidated. That's what it says in the statute. It's just a definition, right? It's like, why is the 401k called the 401k? It's because the you know section of the tax code it's in, right? So the definition is the bad plan is the only option if you've consolidated a parent plus loan. What the new regulations say is starting in July 2025, specifically they call out any loan that has consolidated a parent plus loan or a consolidated loan that at any point paid off a consolidated loan that paid off a parent plus loan will only be able to access the bad plan, the ICR plan. And the, the why are they calling that out? The reason they're calling that out is because they know that people have been doing this loophole for several years that are aware of it. So in other words, they're intentionally closing a loophole. Well, if you intentionally close a loophole but for a specific date in the future, that means the loophole, by definition, is a real loophole. Otherwise, why would you close it? Right, so the loophole comes from consolidating parent plus loans into two separate consolidations, which you want to think of these as contaminated consolidations because they included parent plus debt. And then you consolidate, and when I, you know, you consolidate is a thing you do on the federal website or through paper application, and then you take the two contaminated consolidated loans and then you mush them together into a new consolidation loan that, since no parent plus debt was included in that consolidation, it's now a quote unquote clean consolidation. So the um, Massachusetts Attorney General's office has a guide for this. We have a guide for this. NPR recently did a study on this. This is not something uh, you know that is some sort of fly by night you know IRS scam. I mean, it's 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 got some real legitimacy behind it. Aaron, do you understand all this? You ready to take a test on this? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll ace it. No, <laughs> and that's why we have so many resources. Well, first, first of all, first of all, let, let's back up a step. I, I want to use really simple numbers so we can. And, and by the way, we haven't even explained to people who are, who don't know much about this what consolidating even means. So, so, but let's back up a step. I owe. I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I owe a hundred thousand dollars on my student loans. Uh, on my plus loan. Okay, what am I required to pay now? Well. <laughs> Not to be difficult, Stacy, but the answer is it depends. So, uh, are you married? I am. Okay. Uh, what's your spouse's income? Well, let's say that we combined are a hundred thousand. Okay, but so so the reason I ask is because it matters who makes what in terms of how you calculate that payment. So, in this hypothetical example, what would you say each spouse earns? Okay, in that case, I'm single. 
but that's but that's but that's the point right like like getting through this and like going through this process like you need to start now and you need to make sure you're taking these steps if you um if you have parent plus loans if you have these plus loans like because everything about it matters and everything about it is complicated it's yeah i mean like there's no way to make this simple stacy i'll I'll give you i'll give you a pretty juicy story here because we're on a pod and people love juicy stories so we had a case um that was two people that were splitting up and they had 200,000 parent plus loans between them. And the, one of the spouses made, you know, 50,000 and they had all the parent plus loans. The other spouse had like 200,000 of income and no parent plus loans. And so the, the judge was essentially, you know, ordering, you know, alimony plus splitting the loans 50, 50 and hundred K each. And the only way to split a parent plus loan is to refinance it. So this judge was essentially telling them to split the, uh, the loan between the two people but because the the spouse you know that's now single is making fifty thousand, she could pay on these one of these income driven options, and so for her to take on a, a private loan of a hundred thousand would have been a disaster because she would have had to pay a thousand dollars a month to pay that loan off with no relief at all, and instead she could have paid about a hundred a month and had all her interest subsidized if she kept it federal. So our advice in that particular case was literally, <laughs> both of you have a an a vested interest in just renegotiating that part of the divorce settlement before it's final so that you could just get more alimony because that's much, much better for you than having the loan split in two. So this stuff gets very complicated in a hurry. And the reason is, you know, there's no type of debt that I'm aware of uh, that, you know, that you can pay based on your income, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's, you know, you can't pay your credit card based on your income, Maybe you can settle it, like if you're low income or something like that, and hit your credit or whatever. But this is not something that negatively dings your credit, right? This is like literally a government designed program that was, you know, designed with all the good intentions. And obviously, you know, look at Washington, it's dysfunctional. And so what happens is every new administration comes in and makes their own regulations, which don't go as far as the presidents would like because, you know, they can't get the law through Congress or be more permanent and formalized. And this is why it's such a mess, and this is why loopholes like this exist. Okay, so what we're going to have to do, though, before 2025, is January 1, 2025? Right. Okay. J- uh, July, July 1, 2025. July 1, July 1. Okay. So we're going to have to double consolidate these loans, right? Correct. What the hell is that? Let's talk about so, that after our break. Oh, is yep. it time for a break? See, look oh, at that. Gosh, See, right. Look at how engaged you are in this topic. No, no. That, this is what you're, what you're hearing is engaged is actually confusion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, you know, we are halfway through this podcast. So we're going to take a really quick break and we're going to come right back and we're going to learn more about this stuff. Uh, at least I'm going to try. Be right back. Okay. So now we are back. Um, we had a break and I, and I figured it all out during the break. I didn't. I have no idea where we are. But no, no, let's talk about let's talk about the consolidation. First of all, let's make it simple. Before we double consolidate, what the hell is a consolidation in the first place? Yeah, so consolidation is taking a bunch of different federal loans and mushing them all up together and creating one brand new loan. Generally it doesn't affect the interest rate. What it what it does is just take, you know, twenty pages worth of loans that you have and turns it into just, you know, one page, right? And it's just a uh it's a federal direct loan. So a lot of times people say consolidate but they throw that term around a little bit. Like, you know, you can consolidate, which is like you could send it federal or private, like just by the use of the word. But when when I say consolidate, what I mean is taking federal loans and turning them into a direct consolidation loan on the federal website. Isn't that refinancing? 
So again, this is like where words in English mean one thing and like the technical stuff is a little bit more precise, right? So I like to use the term refinancing for just taking a federal or private loan and making it private. And then I like to use the term consolidate for taking a federal loan and making it federal. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's really important to understand that because in the student loan world, if you are refinancing, there's a good chance you're involved. You're, you're taking your federal loan, you're, you're, you're refinancing it along with a private loan, and then you're losing any access to federal benefits or protections uh, like automatic deferment, uh, hardship stuff, student loan forgiveness, all of that you lose when you refinance. So when we're talking about student loans, it's very important to be like, okay, when we're talking federal stuff, let's consolidate. Um Consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. Okay, so now the reason that we might consolidate would be to put everything together. Would it also perhaps get us a lower interest rate? Not no. on federal loans. No, okay. So so the only reason we're really consolidating is to take 20 loans and make them one. Generally speaking, I mean, but the, I will say this. There's, you know, remember I said there's layers on top of layers of this onion. So until the end of the year, and I assume this is probably coming out before the end of the year. Yes, Good. So, so before the end of the year, if you consolidate, what they're going to do is they're going to give you credit on your new consolidated loan based off of whatever loan is the oldest. Now, this is a big freaking deal. And let me give you an example as to why, right? Let's say you took out a loan, um, Stacy, in, I don't know, 1996, right? Okay. And for, for whatever reason, you went back to school a couple times, you know, then you took out loans for your kids. Now you're sitting here in 2023, right? So normally speaking, when you consolidate, you know, in the past, it just reset the clock completely in terms of credit towards any type of forgiveness program. But until the end of the year, what they're doing is they're crediting any consolidation with whatever loan is the oldest, even if that loan is $1,000. Oh, cool. So I'll tell you what we've been able to do for some clients. We have some clients that might have $200,000 of debt, but they have a loan from undergrad from 19, you know, 97 or something. And then we put that loan into the consolidation and that new loan is credited with all of the credit on that from that based on that old loan. And then the entire thing is forgiven. And until 2026, forgiveness is tax free as well at the federal level. Wow. So this is truly life changing. We've, we've seen some really amazing results. And we've also, frankly, seen some real disasters where somebody will pay off that really old loan from undergrad, not realizing that they could include it. You know, I mean, yeah. what is that? What is the because debt? Uh, what is, what years, is it? The, Travis, is that what you said? Correct. Yeah. Like, what is that debt snowball advice? It's like pay off your smallest loan first to make you feel motivated, right? Uh-huh. So a lot of people do that and they pay off that smallest loan, which also usually happens to be the oldest. And they literally blow their foot off because they could have consolidated everything together and gotten credited. And in some cases have had the entire balance forgiven. It's pretty common for us to see somebody that could get six figures forgiven immediately right now until the end of the year. And there's also some pretty common scenarios where we see somebody that did that debt snowball method because they listened to popular, you know, personal finance people and then could have had six figures forgiven and they lost the opportunity. So there, this is a, um, this is kind of like a, uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a, a red and a green button. And if you press the wrong one, you unload raw sewage into your house. I don't want to be too graphic, but that's like, the, that's, <laughs> that's, you just that's mention, basically what you just mentioned someone yeah. blowing their foot off. I mean, you know, it's pretty graphic. graphic. (laughs) I know that's graphic too. Both of them are pretty graphic. I apologize for any family, family in the audience (laughs) listening, but um, I just want to wake people up. Right. Cause, cause what's going on right now is the people aware of this. A lot of them have done that. So like your hardcore, like personal finance, Reddit people, 
you know, have, have, have some of them have figured this out, but you're like, you know, your typical person that's, that has other interests besides money, um, that, that, you know, listens to, to podcasts, but, but, you know, maybe might miss one or two of y'all's podcasts. You know what I mean? That, that typical person is really by and large missing out on this based off of the numbers that we've seen in terms of total amounts forgiven. We think there could be maybe 400 billion forgiven, um, out there. Uh, with this opportunity through the end of the year, and only about a hundred billion or so, I think, has been forgiven total so far. This is like an onion, Travis, because it's making me cry. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, but now, maybe maybe my awful analogies made people cry too. <laughs> Apologize. No, but let me. Okay, now, so we know in order to take advantage of this loophole before it expires in 2025, um, we need to consolidate. But now I'm reading double consolidation. What is that? Yep. So double console, here's kind of, and again, the, the onion, right? Uh, I I get super sick when I eat onions. So, I, you know, it's all, uh, maybe it's a good analogy given the graphic analogies I shared, but, you know, because I'm getting payback. But so this, <laughs> this onion is basically like, so double consolidate, you can only consolidate once online on the federal site within six months for the purposes of this. So what you have to do is you have to do two consolidations with snail mail, straight up snail mail. And then the final consolidation can't happen online. There's other ways to do this. Like, for, for example, sometimes people have loans in their own name. And so we might only do one paper application instead of two because we just need to rinse the parent plus loans. So sometimes it's two consolidations instead of three. But generally, we, we say it's a double consolidate because of the number of times overall that you have to take action. So a double consolidation means you consolidate you know, these two sets of loans through separate paper applications in the mail and then you wait for that to close and then once that's done you consolidate the final step online and then i kid you not you have to call the servicer and tell them you did the double consolidation and to let you onto the save plan and we have pretty close to 100 percent success rate so far on this uh just because the the systems are very rickety and uh messed up and you just have to you just have to know the loopholes right there's there's i i I'm not not understating it when I say there's loopholes on top of loopholes on top of loopholes. This is interesting. Okay, so and and I'm beginning to understand that what you do is do this for people. This is this is right. your function. This is your job. Right. Some some people do Medicare. Some people do Social Security. Some people do whatever you know, homeowners insurance. I mean, we we're the experts in complica- complicated complicated loans. Really, anybody with more than fifty thousand would benefit, I think, enormously from our services. Um, anybody that has less than 50,000 would probably need to have that debt be in their own name versus in the name of their kids. Um, but yeah, we, we charge a few hundred bucks for the service. Uh, it's a one-time consult, but includes one year worth of follow-up on any kind of questions people have afterwards. And, uh, I think we're like 4.96 out of five stars and on Google uh, with a lot of reviews. So uh, we love doing this. It's it's pretty niche, though. That was that was actually my next question. How much do you charge for for taking people through this process? Yeah, we charge a. I mean, we charge a, a kind of a premium price. I mean, it's a lot cheaper than a lot of other things, right? It's a lot cheaper than working with a financial planner in most cases. But, um, but, but what do you, uh, I mean, is there literally a fee that you charge? How much is it? Is there is there what fee we charge? Is there just a standard fee? Yeah, you know, it's 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 five ninety five basically to work with one of our planners. So five ninety five one time. And, you know, our average savings are something on the order of 100 times that. So basically what we want to do then, the, the, the message we want to give to people, because we are 
thank God getting toward the end of this podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the, is that if we have major plus loans, outstanding, period, no matter who we are, um, we need to either figure this out ourselves or we need to go to a consultant because the amount of money that could could result is substantial. Is that is that a fair statement? I think it's fair. Yeah, like student loan planner is is really, I would say we're the expert in parent plus loans because as far as I'm aware, at least Miranda, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not even aware of anybody that's providing parent plus consultations at scale. Um, um, yeah, no, I can't. I can't think of anybody. I mean, so um, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, huh. Um, I, I wanted to see like, you know, what, what happens if I try parent plus my son has a 529, uh, we're playing for community college, but I just was like, huh, what happens if I like applied for a student, a parent plus loan and, and wanted to do this. And even the people at the college, like, we're like, we don't know what to do with this. Like we yeah, got this information yeah. and I'm like, that's okay. I don't actually want to get one. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah. I was I like, mean, I don't actually want to get one. I was just curious to see like, you know, what kind of counseling they offer, what kind of information they would be able to provide. And the student aid office had no idea what to do with this. They had no idea how to like handle this. Um, and I was just like, interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's wild, uh, but it's really important to, to pay attention to that. And it is important to know that like, um, uh, with student loan planner, like you, you can do this yourself. Like you don't have to pay student. Sorry, sorry, Travis. You don't no, have it's to, okay. Yeah. You don't. You don't have to pay student loan planner to like consult with this. You can do this yourself. But I have found that sometimes it helps to have a guide. So when I was getting my visa application for China earlier this summer, like I didn't have to pay. Um, I didn't have to pay six hundred and fifty dollars to have somebody else prepare my Chinese visa paperwork and take me through the process. But it was worth every penny because there was stuff that I would not have been able to like handle with the paperwork. Get back and approved. And these guys took care of all of it. When my visa was rejected the first time, um, they helped me figure out why and got me and got me the information I needed to get the visa. And so, yes, you can do this all yourself, uh, but it is an extremely complicated process. And sometimes it helps to pay for a guide. That makes you know, sense. I'll say like we're getting gas fireplace installed. Really excited about it. I feel like if I installed a gas fireplace, I might blow up my house. Like probably I could like learn how to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, so I think it's just like what minimizes someone's stress. Like if somebody wanted to do it on their own, you know, I mentioned our guide. If you just type in student loan plan or double consolidation, you'll find a YouTube how to guide. You'll find the step by step instructions. It's all online for free. If you type out, you know, Mass AG parent plus double consolidation, you'll find the state of Massachusetts guide. If you type in NPR double consolidation, you'll find their guide. So if you want to go down that rabbit hole and try to DIY it, it's totally fine. Um, and I think it's just, but to her, some, for some people, Stacey, right, listening to this podcast, they're going to be nauseous just listening to all of the different technical things right so My that's why we're excited to, right now yes, yes. <laughs> yeah that's why we, that's yeah that's it so yeah like so like studentloanplanner.com um slash help is like the the place to learn more basically if this is something that people people are, are wanting and then you know we mentioned those free resources if somebody wants a diy solution but but the real message here though is if you have plus loans you need to you need to start doing some reading yes uh, yeah oh yeah you're, you're gonna hurt people I'm, I'm already worried about it people that are gonna totally like just not have that option. The other thing, I'll tell you one more crazy thing. Um, can I tell you about the grandma goes back to school strategy? Sure. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tell us about the grandma right. that goes back to school strategy. All right. We run out, we run into a lot of people that are struggling on their parent plus payment and they consolidated before talking to us. And if they consolidated everything, there's nothing to do double consolidation with. 
right? So now they're stuck because they can't sign up for that better plan. So what we're advising those people to do, if they are willing to strap on the backpack again, is if you sign up for a part-time degree program somewhere, generally two classes, right? And survive for like a semester, you can take out loans in your own name. You can take out Stafford loans if you haven't hit your own limit and you can take out plus loans in your own name if you um, are at a graduate program. So the, the thought process there is if you have loans in your own name, you can then go ahead and drop out of that degree program and then consolidate all the loans together to get access to this loophole. So now, what we, you really should do then is you should borrow money to take a course on double consolidating your plus loans. There you go. That's we should become a university. That'd be the real money, <laughs> right? I mean, but uh, yeah, I think that, you know some people hear that and they're like, "I'd rather, uh, you know, I'd rather, I don't know, stay in the Sahara Desert for a week." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but but you know, but but some people look at the math and they're just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like. I mean, I've always wanted a degree in Middle Eastern art history anyway. So uh, if I can just take out this loan and have it consolidated and get a lower payment out of it, you know, why not? I mean, my uh, my mother-in-law was in financial aid for many years, and um, and a lot of people would take out loans for degree programs they wouldn't finish. So it's pretty normal, actually. But the problem is, is if you only have 10000 you know, it's almost like, you know, that kind of loan is, can you get it forgiven? It's a little bit more difficult to get it forgiven. But if you have a lot of debt already, there's not really any downside to go ahead and taking on a little bit more marginal debt. I see what you're saying. That makes total sense. And well, so, and so, Travis, to kind of clarify, if you use Grandma Goes Back to School, uh, you can avoid double consolidation. Only if, well, only if you've already consolidated everything in your own name. And ah, yes. we definitely, we definitely don't. That's a reactive strategy versus a proactive strategy. If that makes sense. So we don't want we don't want people doing that because it's can be kind of stress. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in my thirties. It sounds stressful to go back to school already. And, you know, I my, can't imagine what it would be like if I was 70. My guy, I got my, I got my MBA in my forties. There you go. I mean, you're, but you're, it's but fine. you're younger, you're younger at heart than, than I am. You know, I'm already, you know, psychologically, I'm already ready for ARP. Well, here's how old I, here's how old I am. My parents paid for out of state tuition for me to go to college and it was $400 a semester. Wow. Well, so uh, back in the day, right? Um, I mean, I think the problem, the problem is, the problem is like in, in Europe, right? Like European countries regulate the cost of school very carefully. And in America, we don't at all. So schools, you know, are allowed to jack up the price. And that's kind of what we have a sort of a messed up system is nobody wants to kind of call out the elephant in the room, which is we need, you know, just a better system that's still providing access, but you know, isn't so loan-based perhaps. Well, I'll tell you what, and, and I, we are out of time, but uh, that's a whole nother topic. I mean, that's a whole nother sure. podcast as far as I'm concerned. This is a disgrace in this country. Uh, so what they did instead of trying to attack the cost of college, as they've done basically with health insurance too, but especially with college, is, instead of trying to attack the cost of college, what they did was made it easier for people to get in over their heads in debt. And, and I think it's a, a national disgrace. It's horrible. When I was in, when I started college, uh, you got into college by being smart. Now you get into college and you have to worry about how much money you're going to be able to make to repay the loans you're taking out. I think it's horrible. I think I think it's a, a it's a disgrace. But anyway, yeah. again, another topic. Well, in I mean, meantime, you know, and and you just have to be reactive based on the rules that exist to save as much money as you can, because yeah. ultimately, you know, uh, we can we can advocate for changes, but 
like I said, Congress is dysfunctional. So sometimes you just have to t- kind of take what you can, you know. There, there's a whole other podcast. Congress is dysfunctional. <laughs> All right, I'll put, it, I'll put it on the list. Do- Congress above- is dysfunctional. What you need to do no. with your finances? That's a that's a Miranda that's a Miranda pod. I'm 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 not you know it's above my pay grade. Yeah, yeah, Miranda and I would enjoy that podcast, except we'd be on the same side of the table probably. So. Sure, sure. Anyway, sure. guys, we are out of time. I'm sorry about that, but you know what, folks, we're never out of topic, and especially not this topic. So what you want to do is you want to dig a little deeper. You're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes, and remember. Remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is MoneyTalksNews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And you definitely want to go to Travis's website immediately if you have plus plus loans. That is StudentLoanPlanner.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. Hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you like what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. It takes you two seconds, but it really helps us. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. Do it right now. Travis, I cannot thank you enough for being here and confusing me. I'm a CPA. You had I had no idea what you were talking about for the first half of the podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, I am Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We're going to see you right here next time.